people like beer, people like food, but give them a reason to come in as well. Welcome to the Small Nation Podcast, brought to you by CoverLink Insurance, where people are more important than policies. On this show, we unpack lessons from entrepreneurs, break down development strategies, and do deep dives on small town success. Our goal is to provide value to our listeners by hosting conversations that teach, inform, and inspire. Hey everyone, my name is Ethan DeLeon, and I'm here in the studio with the founder and CEO of Small Nation, Jason Duff. Today, we are excited to have part of the ownership group of the Crooked Can from Hilliard, Ohio, as guest on the show. Uh, so Megan and Ryan, or Rob, sorry, not Ryan. We'll take it. Welcome. Do you have a brother named Ryan? <laughs> I don't. Darn Starts it. with an R, though. You were close. <laughs> I looked off my paper too soon there. It's okay. <laughs> Rob, Megan, welcome to the studio today. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have um, friends in town. And then uh, also a, a really one of the my favorite businesses to visit and experience in Hilliard, Ohio, Crooked Can. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, recently, the team and I, uh, we always look for places to do team building and um, enjoy, you know, supporting other local businesses, but also hanging out and having fun. So we uh, recently ran in a race. Well, I, I say loosely, some of us ran. Uh, <laughs> I did not run. <laughs> I did the walk. But tell us what was special about this race that you guys hosted. Uh, it was a, a partnership or a, a, a friendship that actually has developed from friend of friend, and we were looking to do bigger events. We have this great area with uh, that encompasses all the city, and it's like, how can we, we do a lot of little events that are awesome, but it was one of those, okay, let's let's try to find some big events, and it literally was inspired by Florida. Florida does big Oktoberfest, big St. Patrick's Day events, and it's like, okay, how can we do that? And friend Eric has a friend, uh, David, that runs... Um, M3S Sports, and we started talking, and the original conversation was, hey, can we, I was trying to find an avenue to get beer at the Memorial. And they're like, well, what a great way to have everybody know about Crooked Can. And we went down an avenue with uh, with uh, the Blue Jackets. And mm. it's like, uh, right. cool. it's pay to play. Okay. And it's pay Got a lot it. to play. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> I bet. Big and check we, there. Uh, it's like, oh, I don't know if that's the way to go. And so we had started having this conversation. He's like, well, that's that's going to cost you as well, and I, I don't know if I can get you in, but it's going to cost you. So why don't we why don't we look at doing a race? And, and it was down that avenue. Okay, big event. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about doing a big race at our place, and that's kind of how it started off. And we did the St. Patrick's Day one, very successful. Did the Oktoberfest. We're going to make some tweaks because I think we um, we thought the off week for Buckeyes was going to be a good idea. And it turned out that everybody in the world was doing their events on the uh, off week for the Buckeyes game. Don't uh, learn until you so, try, right? So now we know better. And maybe we were thinking next year we just incorporate it into one of the games and kind of make it all part of the weekend. But it still was a very successful event and uh, turned out to be a great day. And that's kind of what the motivation was, though, though was just to bigger events to draw as yeah. many people as we can to downtown Hilliard. Awesome. Well, and it was obvious to me, I mean, it was beautiful weather that night. Not always helps with turnout, but how organized and how uh, effective the marketing was too. I mean, the registration process was easy and friendly. Um, you got emails kind of uh, sharing where you could park when we arrived on site. Parking signage was really clear. And then um, the process to, to, and just seeing how the community came together, you had the police force involved in setting up stops. And even neighbors and people in the town were setting out their lawn chairs to watch 
the walkers and racers that were going by. And I think that is kind of a definition of creating a community event. That's the first I heard that. That's cool. Yeah, I, 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 I loved it. I mean, I, I've shared it with other people that it's a great model and example. And I think some of the things that stood out to me is the, the partnership that you mentioned with the professional company that helps organize the race. They, they are professional. Well, and, and, and that's yep. the key. And then getting the community involved. I mean, seeing how, um, you know, people from the city were, were there and, and smiling involved and all the pets, like there were a lot of dogs. Yeah. They're on about two. Like it was that quintessential community event that um, wouldn't have been possible without Crooked Can and the, the, the leadership and organization that, that you created to make it happen. And it probably was good for business. It was great for business. And then the city um, was on board with it as well. Because, again, it helps the other businesses downtown as well. There's so many people. They're going to walk around and see everybody else. It's yeah. not just going to be at our place. That's awesome. So, and the, the city was a little hesitant at first because they've never done a big race. They never shut down streets and never experienced anything like that. So to have those guys come in who have done races throughout the city and big races just made it so much easier and more comfortable. Yeah, that's cool. And I want to dive in a little bit uh, later in the show, a little bit about your partnership with Hilliard and, and everything like that. But for those of us who may not know, for the listeners, I should say, um, what is the Crooked Can? And can you give us some background on your business? Um, where did it originate? How long have you been doing it? Things like that. So the, the original is in uh, Orlando, a suburb of Orlando. Um, Winter Garden, Florida. Gotcha. And the, the, I mean, it was two friends, three friends, uh, my good friend growing up and two other friends that they went on a, a vacation to Colorado and saw a similar type concept brewery with, with some extra food. And it wasn't quite the concept that it is that today, but it was close. And they basically on a flight back said, why don't we try this? None of them have any experience in brewing. None of them have any experience in restaurant business other than um, one was in sales for food. The other one worked for Disney and my friend was in finance. So they had some experiences with things, just not what they were doing. And so it was a, it was a huge risk, but they found an amazing location. If you ever get a chance to go down there, it is, it's like it's been there for 50 years and they just found this really cool spot and we went to visit and within you know, being there for five minutes is like, man, this is what an amazing concept that something this would work any, anywhere down in a, that type of environment, a downtown walkable, get the family out. Mm-hmm. If you can find that type of environment, this is going to work. And, and they have really good beer. That was the other key point. And it was, I've always said, it's a good friend of mine. If you if his beard wasn't good, I would tell him his beer wasn't there good. There you go. So <laughs> we need people like that honest in our life. Right? And it was it was like, man, let's let's find a way to do this. Yeah. They were in and as we talked about it, because Megan and I would go down every year yeah. visit. And John, who's the other local owner, we would go down on trips as well and visit the brewery. And it's like just that building over three years of how do we how do we make you know, it became kind of a joke to how do we make this happen? This is this is too good not to try. When did that switch flip for you guys? I would say, I would say after the, about the second year going down. And, and then after the th- they were open for three years, and we started having a serious conversation. But they were in this discussion with another company that wanted to actually buy 50% and mm. take this kind of nationwide. Wow. And it was in very, very far along in the conversations to where they were ready to sign some papers. And then the big company came back and said, now ah, we reevaluated you at this. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, thanks. And they, I think they thought they would cave. 
And they stuck to their guns and they basically said no. And within, I'd say, a couple of weeks of that happening, Andy called me and said, hey, let's, let's go for it. Yeah, that's awesome. And we've had previous guests on the show where we talk about the success of, you know, selling the business at the end. But I think also it's good to highlight that maybe that's not always the move for everyone. And in fact, you can stand either profit more if that's your goal. But, you know, for, for some people, it's it's more than just profit. But like to, to stay in your business and, you know, look into options of expanding. So you took that concept from Florida with your friends. What Can you talk a little bit more specifically about what the concept is? Um, you know, it's a brewery, sure, and walkable downtown, but like, what's, what's special about it? Well, the, um, and also just back to your point of, yeah, they, they knew they had something really good because they were making profit in the first year and that's unheard of for a new that's business. That's rare. Yeah. That's and awesome. Like, well, how we, why would, in three years, why are we going to give up what we have here? Yeah. If it's not the right price. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's the open, well, it's a little different for us because of where we're at, but in Florida, it's a little less inside. It's a lot of market. So they, they started with 20 vendors. And it's food, wow. it's food retail, drink, dessert, a, a lot of variety. So all in the same place. All in the same place. So what they did learn and what, you know, everything we did was just learning lessons from them. And <laughs> so they started with 20. And now I think they have about 14. And it just was, who can survive? Who, who can be really a seven-day-a-week business and have product and sell and and as they started working through that, it's like, well, we, we can't support that many. Um, so that's why we started smaller and that this is about the right amount sure. to work with from, you know, how many varieties of foods do you need? Um, can certain retail places make it? Can they not? So that it's trying to encompass that food and, and we, we wanted retail but we, we discovered quickly the one retail we had, it just, it's a tough thing to do seven days a week yeah. in a market. So it's, it's not that we wouldn't entertain that again. It's just what, what's the right concept that, that can support that. Mm-hmm. So it's to that point, it's yeah. a brewery with market that has, we have nine vendors now. So you're intentionally not offering food from, from the brewery, but Correct. you're bringing in vendors to it local is, vendors to provide those things. It's a variety of local vendors that, run their own business. We lease the space. They run their own business. I know others will take uh, certain percentages of profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we run it as just a, um, a lease only and it's your business. And we all try to work together to, to make sure make it successful, but everyone does their own thing. Yeah. Well, there's a few nuggets that you can take away from that. It is, if you talk to, and we've had many guests on the podcast that own bars and restaurants, it is, like the holy grail of business models, if you can figure that out and make a profit. Mm-hmm. Because there is the idea of opening up from a passion project standpoint that a lot of people dream about. They think and experience, because restaurants are very attractive from the kinds of creative things that you can do, the relationships that you can have, the brands that you can build. But when you get on the inside and see how the meat is actually made, literally, it is a really hard business model to pull off. And what you look at where the money side of it is, the business model, the alcohol and liquor generally is one of the most profitable items. I mean, sometimes in cases can be, you know, two or three times what um, profit uh, uh, versus food cost and the amount of money you make on food is usually really tight. Mm-hmm. But people can't drink, uh, you know, a lot 
unless they have food. So you kind of need those two things. So yeah. me kind of looking from the outside in at what you have done is you figured out, hey, we we're really good at brewing beer. We're really good at building a space and environment and inviting in people that have their business model dialed in as restaurants and as specific food types or food kiosk vendors, whatever you want to put that label on. And that uh, ecosystem that you create, it it works and it make, helps everyone be successful overall. Absolutely. And, and it, it, that's what it is. It's a group working together. Because if you don't have the, yeah, you don't have one without the other. It's It's got to be good food and it's got to be good beer. And then people come for both reasons. Yeah. And we have that all the time where people come for the food. A, a group alone will come for, some will come for the food and some will come for the beer. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be both. And even if someone doesn't drink, they may walk over and buy some apparel or oh, swag as a gift or mm-hmm. pick up a gift card. Like, um, and I also think the other thing that I'm so impressed, and maybe you can speak to this, sometimes with a bar or restaurant, you just see a certain age group or a certain type of clientele. Um, is your place different? We, I, I think that's another thing we took from Florida was how do we promote family? Uh, because we're in a downtown. So you're going to have families. You want families. We're across from a park. So you you got you to embrace it. Especially in Hilliard, right? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, so, and, and dogs. Yeah. Dogs are big. And dogs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do we take all that that they were doing and embrace it here too and, and, and emphasize that? So, yeah, we... We like our young adults too, but um, we we definitely get a variety, and so we we'll throw events that try to focus and get more of the the young crowd into. But we know our core is our families and our dog people, so yeah. we we try to we try to focus on them. Megan, tell us about uh, how do you kind of fit into this building the business, and you know, were you skeptical? Were you always on board? Like I was always in his ear. Come on, come on, come on. Okay. Let's do, let's, do let's do this, yeah. Which, on my end, was a little less. For him, he was thinking, okay, whoa, that is a huge commitment. And I'm always the uh, idea person or, you know, whereas I leave say you're him. more comfortable with risk then? Yes, where he <laughs> has to then, like, break all that risk. Sure. So, yeah. so I'm the, the fun creative, and then he's the the numbers and the... Okay. <laughs> hence, hence her being part of, uh, in charge of marketing and social media. Well, l- let me just say, it takes a team. It does. And, you know, in relationships, oftentimes yin and yang attract. And um, that's the relationship piece. When you're actually in business with your partner, significant other, husband, wife, like, that's even harder. Yeah. And, like, for you guys, like, did you know you were going to start a business together? Was that ever in the dream board? Like, or did it kind of... No. It, no, and to that point, what we were talking about earlier is uh, it's just an opportunity came. Yeah. And it's like, well, this is just too cool not to try it or at least explore it. Yeah. Because, yeah, that was never a conversation. It was, you know, never would have been a thought of, oh, yeah, let's go out and yeah. we really want to start a restaurant or brewery or anything like that. No. Yeah, he was in robotics. I was in dental. I mean, he's still in robotics, but I was able to then get out and, and focus and it it's definitely a full-time job for what I do. So so from day one, when you came back and said, we want to do this in Hilliard, uh, what were some of the things stepping out of your comfort zone that you had to start doing to, to build the plan, to, to, to construct and build something new? It, 
100% leaned on Florida. Florida, okay. Use that model. I mean, again, uh, Andy is one of our partners as well. Yep. So that we'll get into that on the um, franchise versus. Yeah, let's just let's licensing. just talk about that. You brought this concept from Florida, an existing mm-hmm. you know uh, profit um, rendering business, and you wanted to bring it here to Ohio. How did you go about doing that? You know, so, uh, was it a franchise versus you know anything else? Initial conversations were how how are we how do we be partners? We, mm. didn't, we didn't want to split it off. Yeah, Andy really didn't want to split it off, but the two other owners in Florida weren't comfortable owning something in Ohio. Mm. They didn't know us well enough. Andy and I grew up together, so and he knew he John and Andy and I all went to college together, so we all knew each other pretty well. We, had, you know, it was we met each other, but it wasn't like we were friends. Sure. So it was. Like, are we going to get into business with the guys? We don't know how they control things, run things. So how how do we make this happen without being partners? Again, it, it was unfortunate we couldn't make that happen because since then, Andy has now bought those two out, and he's sole owner down there. Mm. So we could have been partners, but yeah, still. So how do we find a, a an in-between? Yeah. And again, knowing Andy was going to be part of our group um, and knowing we wanted to share ideas and, and, and do things still kind of together without being partners. And that's where franchise is more, here it is, take it and give us money. And with the licensing agreement, it's still sharing ideas, sharing recipes for beers. Um, it's it's still kind of a partnership without having it on paper. We still have a separate LLC, um, but we do, uh, you know, intertwine yeah. that way. And we had a little more flexibility too versus a franchise. Like we can oh, yeah. still do yeah things on our own a little bit, but still we, follow. Yeah, that's a great point. We're we are still independent. We yeah. can do anything we want separate from Florida. We don't want to, but we could. We still have five core beers that they serve and we serve that are on tap pretty much all the time. But every other beer that is on tap at our place is made here and not there. And we share ideas, but if we decided tomorrow we didn't want to serve any of those beers, we could do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it, it gives you that flexibility. More independent, but some you know still maintaining that collaborative piece. Yep, it's super absolutely. cool. I, I think we've heard uh, from other guests on the show. You know, Winans, Chocolates and Coffee, Will, Wilson Riser. You know, they offer franchises, and they started. I think it's just company stores, and then it moved to license agreements. The benefit that he kind of spoke to about franchises was that they're lending all of their business systems, their logo, Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. vendors, um, and they provide a level of control. This is kind of the positive side of making sure everyone is doing everything the same way because that's part of the brand promise of what a franchisee and a franchisor's relationship wants to have. The challenge is with that, there's a lot of cost. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the path is so rigid for entrepreneurs that, maybe don't fit the mold or markets that might be different. I think that licensee agreement where you're still getting the benefit, like you said, of the marketing, of the logo, of the the goodwill and the recipes that is working in Florida, but you have just enough flexibility to kind of do your own thing. To your point, if they had 10 cricket cans, we probably wouldn't be a a, (laughs) license agreement. Yeah. But since they only had one, it was easier to to make that happen. And we do still pay a... uh, uh, a royalty fee or license fee sure. to um, use to the them, brand to yeah. use the brand. And, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's been a really good partnership it's been successful. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I would have rather have been partners, but I wouldn't, sure. I, I have no, 
I appreciate you sharing that because I feel like a lot of people jump to either the partnership or they think it has to be a franchise and they just, you know, don't know what other options are out there. So I appreciate you sharing that and hopefully educating our listeners a little bit more on that. And honestly, if they didn't want to be partners with us, then maybe that was better too. Right. Because we we probably didn't want their control. Yeah. Maybe you didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so when you were kind of getting this model up and going in Hilliard, and actually I kind of have a unique perspective because I was interning with a coffee shop there locally in Hilliard when the construction was kind of getting started and things like that. And I heard this, this awesome breweries coming into town and changing everything. And I'm like, oh, they're going to be building that building that the building's going to be that whole block there. <laughs> like, um, so talk to us a little bit about that process, uh, getting connected with Hilliard and then, uh, maybe finding your vendors. Uh, how did, how did you go about doing all of that? Um, but the first thing was, as you kind of pointed out earlier, Florida kind of uh, set the tone of this is, this is kind of the framework of how you lay it out and what you're looking for. And when we started talking, how do we kick this off? Mm. It's, well, I went out and found a, um, Robert Weller was the, the real estate group that I, I, I connected with. I actually called a few and no one else returned my call. So, wow. like, well, that's an important lesson. It's itself, like, Turn right? your calls. Like, people. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I know there's a lot of people out there looking for commercial land, but <laughs> I, I was surprised that only one person called me back. So mm-hmm. I started working with these guys. They were great to work with. And we just started, they made a map of where could we possibly be? We started with Dublin and Hilliard because we know those areas. We've lived in those areas. Not that we weren't looking at other suburbs as well, but we were most familiar with those two. So, they, we just started going around looking at, at, at uh, properties. And um, there was a few that were potential, but nothing was jumping out. And the closest thing we found was in Dublin. And we started, actually, we, we signed on the lease or signed on the lot and started making some progress with it yeah. going down the road. And um, we, but we had met with Hilliard. We'd met with Dublin. We absolutely would, wanted to work with Hilliard. We really liked their group. Um, Dublin is just more formal. Hilliard was more personal, and Dublin is just, this is how it's done. You, mm-hmm. you walk through these steps. And as we started walking through those steps, it was like, oh, this is this is getting to be too much. There's a lot of steps. There's right? a lot of steps. And there's a lot of money being spent to ne- necessarily have it be approved. So yeah. that's where we were a little scared of, too. I mean, to interject here, for your community leaders that may be listening, how easy is it for entrepreneurs to come in and get what they need to get approved, to get started? Is is the process easy, or is it, you know, is it... Yeah, we talk hard. a lot about friction points. The, the other thing, if you look at, you know, both the communities that we're mentioning are suburbs of Columbus. Yeah. And Dublin and Hilliard have both had massive growth. But Dublin in particular, because they're a little more established and they have, you know, better demographic numbers, their proximity to Columbus is closer, they've been able to set the bar a lot higher, Absolutely. which could be a good thing or viewed as a good thing. Uh, but for, the, for those of us that are just building something or starting out, we may need different resources or different price points or cost, or our brand may not resonate with that level of whatever new label you want to put sophistication, yeah, you know, wealth, whatever. And so a lot of people are looking at the Hilliards of the world and there's, there's many of them in these kind of what they call two markets outside of the major cities as the new frontier. 
But, you know, where I applaud you guys is that um, it had to take some courage to leave Dublin because Dublin is probably, because of the reasons it's more well-established, well-known, um, versus going to something very new, which is, you know, for a lot of people in Columbus, they kind of called Hilliard, oh, you mean the cornfields? Because <laughs> at the time, you know, if, if you live in the city and you don't drive out to the suburbs, you're maybe not aware that mm -hmm. there's actually... That's the future of where all the growth is going. Now, today, you guys are, you look brilliant. Because now, you know, Hilliard's one of the fastest growing suburbs yeah, in the Columbus market. Well, yeah, and talking to vendors, potential vendors, and trying yeah. to sell them the concept on paper, like, we can't tell you how many times we get, Hilliard? What? Like, people, <laughs> is there anything out there? Yeah, yeah. people yeah, are, they like, we don't see them. it. Hilliard, we don't see it. Yeah. And first, I won't name wow. it, but the first yeah. person, Megan and I, approach because we like this place and we mm -hmm. would love to have had it in there he's like uh no people won't buy my food in hilliard wow like, Wait a yeah. minute, what <laughs> we live there we're gonna buy yeah. your food what are you talking about so uh he may have second guesses at this point but at the time that was the the mindset was, response, was yeah. um that yeah that, that, and that was well you, i'll let you go into that but just real quick on the dublin it wasn't necessarily dublin either it was the space we chose and it, any other probably suburb would have had the same problem. We had to build a parking lot. We had to build a turn lane into the area. Wow. And we we would have had to uh, build a retention pond. We, I mean, it was at just, your expense. At our right? expense, yeah. absolutely wow. at our expense. Because, <laughs> as you said, Dublin's established. They don't need to pay for those things for you. Right. And that's where Hilliard, as we got into it, Hilliard did help us on some things. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, the, the numbers just started stacking up of, okay, we can handle this much, but yeah. this is getting to a point where mm -hmm. this is gonna, just going to be too risky. Yeah. And that's where we went back out and said, Hillary, we really want to work with you, but the places that we're seeing so far, tell me there's something else. Yeah. Is there something city-owned that you can, you can, I guess, get off of or, or try to sell? And it, it sparked a, gosh, yes, we wanted them here, and we really like this concept, but um, I don't know where we put them. They had plans for where we're at. They had plans to extend the park. And that really got them thinking. They, they went to the point of sending one of their city developers down to Florida to see the spot. And he called from there and said, you guys got to do this. He but went down there by himself without you guys. He said, I tried <laughs> to set him up with people. And he's like, no, I want to see it as is. I don't want to be treated any different. I just want to see how this place he wants functions. an authentic experience. Absolutely. I don't want to, you know, smoking mirrors that this is better than what it is. So I, it was the first day, and talking to people in the city now, it's like the first day he called back and said, you better find a way to do this. Wow. Well, and, and, you know, just like I opened up the segment about this, you know, 4K, 5K race that we did, um, the parks, so the walking trails, the, the, you know, taking old abandoned railroad tracks and actually making them walking and bike paths. And then for those of you that have not been to Hilliard, um, my niece and nephew think it's one of the best places to go for the splash pad that's there. Yep. Because when you go there, they've got angled steps that you can sit, and um, they've got a, a, you know public restrooms. They have uh, their planter boxes, and the grass is well maintained and curated. That is not normal, uh, and and you shouldn't expect to see that in every city. So there is intentional investments. And, and planning and work that had to be done far in advance of actually seeing that project happen.
So it's neat to hear behind the scenes. And this, yeah. is, this just goes to show you where you've got to have that public-private conversation that maybe none of that, we don't, I don't know, and, and maybe you guys don't even know, that maybe none of that would have happened unless there was an investor or a business or a brewery that said, hey, we're going to do this, so this is the time the city then get, you know, ponies up and, and makes that investment too. And that's what was, as you said, there was indicators of how we felt Hilliard would work. And they already had that park there. They had the splash pad there. Mm-hmm. They were doing concerts on Thursday nights that were well attended. And it was, and there's a couple of businesses came in, local cantina, Legacy, opened their um, barbecue place. And it was like, you could see some momentum building. And especially with that, um, with the events, the Thursday events. And, and however, I mean, they're up to 45 events they throw over the year wow. at that park, which is just natural business for us. Yeah. So we'll get into how we, we work a little bit together on that with them. But back to that led in, once we actually got the spot, then it was, how do we find the vendors? And again, I give Florida props because to say, hey, this is our concept. We've never done this before. Come be a vendor for us. Yeah. I don't know how you sell that concept. They, at that point, had a virtual tour on their website of what the market looked like. So Megan and I would go when we thought of people. So who works in small spaces? They didn't have any made down there. As we we have a lot of food truck places, that's not a big thing in Florida. So they just went out finding vendors, whereas we focused on food vendor or uh, food truck vendors. So we would go and just hey, we think this one would be cool. Let's yeah, go, let's go try. Talk Giving to them an opportunity to have a brick and mortar, and then watch. And here here's what the here's what the market's going to look like. We didn't have to talk about it and describe it. It's like just yeah. take the virtual tour, but it was still conversations that. Were, were interesting because no one was familiar with how Hilliard would be. Yeah, we kind of split off like John and Stacy. They were approaching several people. We we were approaching several people, and the amount of no's and again just Hilliard. I don't I don't think so. And uh, it just it all came together. And we actually had several vendors that were really close to the like final project and then we had some people back out so we had some hiccups oh, wow. along the way that were a little yeah, stressful those, yeah. yeah that you have to be able to pivot right yeah because yeah. you know things change <laughs> right and then and sh- shortly after to finish then covid so yeah there was a lot of pivoting. for those <laughs> that are listening i think you're building as how large or 16,000 16,000 mm-hmm. square feet and it was new construction yeah let's um, let's do the the our show segment the real estate deep dive real quick yeah let's do it all right yeah so we're you're talking about this building but it's a pretty big deal like i said in in downtown hilliard right across from the splash pad that we just had yep. talking about so can you tell us a little bit about what was the the property before you said you were looking at city-owned properties it was, um, it was a napa part building okay that the city once they closed the city bought the property and tore the building down so it was sitting empty at that point with a plan to do, uh, again, just an extension of the park. They were going to do additional parking, um, a playground area, and and some other things. So there was a, there was was it was pretty set in stone that this yeah. was going to happen. And, again, thankful at right time, right place, that they checked it out and decided, hey, maybe we should sell this. So they sold you guys the land, right? Correct. And then so you were responsible for finding the contractors yeah, and putting everything together. Yeah, they took everything together. from there. Um, the the couple things they did help us with, uh, like there was, there was, uh, some old sewage lines underneath Mm -hmm. and they dug that up and took those out. 
Um, there was power lines that were going above the, the space that were way too low. So they, they took it on themselves to, to raise the power lines. And oh, there was one other thing. Um, but they were, again, just extremely helpful. Yeah, true collaborative effort. Us, so absolutely. you have the site crap. You, know, you, you, you buy the property. Zoning is one of the first things that you need to check yep. and work with your city to make sure it's permissible. The, the next step is, is looking at that site prep stuff. So you know the utility lines, the sewer lines, um, getting water, gas, all those things. Like You just can't assume when you buy a piece of property that all those things are there. Oh, they had to reroute the gas line and electric. So and in some cases, that's a big applaud to your point. That's a big applaud to the the municipality for taking those steps because sometimes that can be the monkey on you as the developers Mm -hmm. back to figure that out. So from there, then you probably had to find an architect or engineer to kind of or a contractor division. Yeah, we did. Well, we did a civil first, like you said. We get there could be an old gas station on that property that you're done. Yeah. And, well, not done, but you're going to spend a lot of money getting whatever under the ground out of the ground. Yeah. Or it's an old burial ground or something like that, that you might just be shut down right then. But luckily none of that was the case. Um, and then, yeah, we, uh, so John's on the construction side of business. He actually uh, sells heavy equipment for construction. So he has also worked on building buildings for his business. So he knew an architect and, and we started there with, okay, how's this going to look? Taking a lot of, again, what Florida had done and then try to adapt it to Ohio. Because mm-hmm. they, they focus on outside. We we also want to focus on, we have a 7,000 square foot patio, but we also needed to focus, focus more on inside when our weather's not good. So right, yeah. That was the that was the mission to combine those two things. Yeah, that's Which awesome. is not easy because imagine having individual food stalls and you've got some that have hoods, You've got overhead garage doors that may be open, may not be open. You've got uh, some days you may have five people in the venue. Other days you may have 500 people. So, you know, working, that's why finding an architect, an engineer to really study all those things so that the function and programming of that building uh, is going to work and be economical. But, like, what I love when I pull in there and look at it, you first are greeted by this beautiful turf patio, and uh, some days it's loaded with kids and families. Other days there could be a concert happening mm-hmm. out there. And then sometimes there are vendor fairs. Like I've even been there on a Saturday where there'll be 20, 30 vendors that are popping up selling local T-shirts or um, handmade art. Like that, that, that's kind of like your front living room space for the community. All right. At this time, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Big City Dining in a Small Town. Now that's the syndicate. Join them for fresh steaks, pasta, or seafood for dinner, or stop in for Sunday brunch to experience one of their signature dishes such as chicken and waffles, and maybe even pair it with a mimosa flight. Located at 213 South Main Street in downtown Bell Fountain. Tired of gyms not being open when you want to work out? Then check out the region's best 24-hour fitness center, Anytime Fitness, in downtown Bell Fountain. They have all the equipment you need and the best trainers and coaches to help you get in the best shape of your life. It's truly your one-stop shop for fitness. Anytime Fitness is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Yeah. Uh, it, it's people like beer, people like food, but give them a reason to come in as well. And that's, it, as we talked, it's family. It's anything you can do to get the family to come out that then benefits us as well. And that's where um, Megan and, and uh, others in our place work on how can just as many events as we can possibly do yeah. as we just know it's it's good for the community but then it's 
effective for our business too. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask. Megan, maybe you can speak to this. Is What efforts do you put in to make sure people continue to come back, bring the families, and uh, you know support everybody? Just uh, creating new events, creating reasons for people to come out. Um, it can be as simple as, like we have Santa pictures coming up. And, yeah, that's um, fun. And Everyone think, wants to see Santa. Yeah. yeah. So um, I w- we do puzzles and pints. I mean, there's just so many different events that we're trying to bring people in and um, just enjoy our place, enjoy the vendors, because we do have that responsibility of making sure that we're bringing in traffic for the vendors as well. Because they depend on that too. Yeah. yeah. And because you do a lot of the marketing, what are some of the things that you have found that have worked? I imagine like with point of sale systems, like you're trying to capture email addresses is maybe an important thing. Definitely getting a lot of our messages through social media is a big thing for us. Um, So yeah. And then we, we actually have a um, rentable space too that we focus on um, and Stacy, our other um, owner, she she works really hard with um, making sure that we get a lot of our rented events as well. So, what are some of the types of events that you host? Like the rented or, or the like, just the fun stuff that we do. Probably the rented the stuff. Rented so, stuff, yeah. so we're you know, the reason I bring that up, I'm hearing a lot. You know, there there might be listeners uh, that are developers or. They may have towns that have empty buildings, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't know what to do with them. So they've got this great space. It might be right next to a brewery or it might be yeah. down the street from a restaurant. Like, tell us about the oh. kind of events that I mean, people are renting for. There's corporate. There's birthdays. There's anniversaries. We've had a wedding. We do a lot of um, uh, rehearsal dinners. I mean, there's so many different types of events. We'll do a lot of charity events as well. Um, I mean, that's... It's been really, really successful. With graduation people. parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The graduation ah, parties. That's yeah. a brewery. Yeah. yeah. Who, who would have known? That's, that's cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And then what you're doing, obviously, you're you're helping your revenue, but then you're also providing uh, a meeting space, a gathering space to build community, uh, while also hopefully bringing uh, people to those other businesses and just bringing up the overall economic development right (laughs) one of the things we stay true to too is for those uh rented events is to work with our um all of our vendors we don't allow outside food to kind of protect them and make sure that 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 business is coming to them as well so yeah even though you guys aren't serving food still supporting everyone but that's really cool yeah yeah, no, that was de- definitely the main goal is because if they're they need to be successful. So, yeah, how do we make them as successful as possible? So everyone's staying. And I would think that's that's also one thing we're very proud of is everyone in there has another place. And I'd say over half of them have started their second place after they, ours was the first, you know, we won't call it their brick and mortar, but it's a brick and mortar. It's not yeah. a food truck. It's not jumping yeah. around to other places so they it's their first permanent home and they've taken the success there and started another place so congrats we're that's very, awesome yeah. we're very proud of that yeah but as i say cool. real quick on that too of uh, what megan and the group do is we find something that works we find something that people like and then we try something similar because it's like well obviously if they liked coming out for that well maybe we'll try the, the puzzles we're doing a the gingerbread house tonight it's a group activity they've clearly like doing group activities Let's do more of them. Let's find yeah. other group activities they can do. Well, I think a lot of people look to you, and I have referenced your business to a lot uh, around the food hall concept. So a lot of what we do as is, is entrepreneurs uh, is rip and duplicate. And, and you shared like traveling to Florida, finding something that you love and 
recognizing back in your own local market, that doesn't exist. So we want to take it, rip and duplicate it, but make it better. And I think that's something that you have done really well. But that food hall concept is the diversity of options that you have um, instead of just working off one menu. I mean, can you just shout out some of the types of food offerings that are available right now at Crooked Cannon Hilliard, Ohio? Yeah, um, and that that is one thing we try to make sure that we're each vendor's not competing with each other. So we yep. try to make it so intentional. It's yeah, like a or, good variety. So or with others in downtown too. Yeah, we specifically try to stay away from yeah the locals. Yeah, that's great. Um, we've got dumplings of fury. We've got an Asian option. Um, meatball mafia, bean pizza, meatballs. We've got um, hot mess, which is like American flair. So. Uh, burgers, chicken, salads. Uh, we've got pita abilities, so they've got um, pitas, salads, rice bowls, bakes by low. She's got all her um, cookies and baked goods. The cheesecake girl. Um, we've got coffee connections. We've got uh, a new one coming. It's um, about to open in a couple weeks, hopefully, maybe sooner. Oh. <laughs> Probably cedar. I would say but, but Norwich is Rob going to be baking. I, would, I was hoping to give the uh, give an announcement today. I didn't get the the word back because it's close. Oh, the date. The yeah. soft opening has happened. But, yeah. but, but Norwich cool. Grocery. So they've got um, a little area to shop for some um, local items um, like Al's Delicious popcorns in there, Belisari's, several different things to purchase in there. But then also um, they have a deli within their groceries. So. So just in hearing just that, first variety. of all, yeah. I'm getting hungry now just yeah. thinking about this, but the diversity that, that your business has now brought to uh, a suburb of Columbus that didn't have any of these options, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have been possible without the investment and you know setting the stage for that to happen. And some of those have been there from the very beginning, I know. So how is your like retention like we, we've just recently had to leave and it was before for reasons like Al's delicious left. They're still going to be in. They left us, but they're not really leaving us. <laughs> and it was because they, we didn't have the space for them to make popcorn. Yeah. And their whole, mm-hmm. they, they came in knowing this wasn't truly what they wanted to do. But again, this is another example of this was their second place. They've now opened three more places since. Yeah. And they all make popcorn and that's kind of their thing is, well, you smell the popcorn, you come buy the popcorn and they couldn't make the popcorn at our place. So it was, we didn't look at it as uh, it, it wasn't successful because they, they were making money. They just wanted to focus on places that had more space and they can sure. they could do manufacturing, yeah. we'll call it. So, mm-hmm. it, 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 and again, we still have them. So it's not yeah. really. The other one was uh, Legacy, who they wanted to have a different concept from what they had uh, down the street. So it was still a local vendor and just doing more of a Tex-Mex than their barbecue. And it was, it was, I think a good partnership and then their restaurant burnt down and it just kind of threw off kind of what they really were wanting to, how they wanted to proceed. Yeah. And so it was a year and a half before they could get their restaurant back open. And so by the time they did that, they, they really had focused on their, um, their catering and their catering had really taken off because they didn't have, didn't have the restaurant anymore. So once the restaurant opened back up, it's like, well, our catering's so good. Our restaurants here, maybe this is the time to, close this one down yeah so it wasn't like a, a you know a, a bad leaving and you know they're still down the road from us still friends yeah. it's just uh it just opened up that space now to have we have deli sandwiches instead yeah 
That's so. awesome. And I feel like some some turnovers inevitable for it's whatever inevitable. reason, but that's 100%. that's awesome. Uh, it was just nice to know it wasn't because they weren't successful. Right. It was just those were just circumstances. Yeah. Do, do any of your food vendors do they sell on DoorDash or Uber Eats? Do you allow that or permit that? Has that been Yep. Has I, that I been wouldn't a, say all of them do. All most, of them can do it. Yeah, yeah can do it. Okay. And the city actually put in uh, some Uber Eats spaces and that's kind of leading back to the COVID time of Sure. We, we were able to do to-go food. So how do we get people to do to-go food? And they, at their, at the um, uh, parking lot, they, they made spaces for them to come in and pick up food. Is to-go a big portion of I that? I wouldn't say so. I was curious. Okay. I, I'd say, I mean, it yeah. happens for sure, but I sure. wouldn't say a big portion. So it's it more dine-in and grab a beer. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Or, or some come, come in out. and take to-go out, but it's not, it's not necessarily a DoorDash situation. Yeah. yeah. Cool. For economic development listeners, uh, how... Would, like, can you give some advice on how you've been able to maintain that relationship with the municipality? I mean, it sounds like you guys have had a very positive uh, interaction throughout the years. And I think that's, I mean, Jason, you can speak to this pretty, not pretty uncommon, but sometimes it is it very uncommon. uncommon. So yeah. what are you guys doing? That, what's what's the magic there? And I, I would say, to, back to that point, because Dublin was so structured, we know we wouldn't have had that kind of relationship with Dublin. It would have been... Yeah, yeah. You, you talk. I'm sure you talk to people, but it wouldn't have been the type of relationship we have with this group. And it started from the beginning that the one that threw a wrinkle and we were a little scared was when they went from a mayor to a city council. And we had full support of the city development and the mayor. And it's like, all right, we're heading down this road. And then all of a sudden we're going to have a, a city council and they may not be on board with what we're doing. But luckily, all of them are. And a lot of them are actually customers. So that's a good thing. Yeah. But the more the, the, the city people we deal with uh, on more on a day-to-day basis, um, again, we've dealt with from the very beginning. And to your, I think you said it earlier, they look at this as more uh, as much success for them as right. for us. So they're very proud of it, and they talk of it that way. So whenever we're talking about city events, we always interact and say, okay, kind of what can you do for us or, you know, uh, vice versa. It's It's that easy communication of what's what's good for you is good for us yeah in both ways so it's um it's been a great just absolute great relationship that way and it's it's not just one person it's it's 10 people in the city that we talk to and you know and again on a regular basis the city people and the rec people and the parks people it's it's all of them and they um they just been uh it's just been i don't i don't know if we would have had that type of relationship with any other suburb we might have, but who knows? But right. we know this is probably an exception. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's I think that's a very healthy culture between municipality and, you know, the business. And that's something we're trying to encourage and cultivate you know, with, with clients or listeners to the podcast is, you know, to, to, to figure out successful ways to have that private partner, um, private-public partnership. Um, and then just if you were to, like, to, from a 10,000-foot view – what do you think the economic impact has been of your business model in downtown Hilliard? Ooh, good question. Um, other than I know we have, uh, it's over 100. I, I, th- I think I counted at one point. It was about 120 employees between, wow. all, between all the vendors and our brewery. And I think that's a, you know, it's a pretty good sized place to have 120 people at. Yeah. And, and we've, um, another thing we're proud of, our, our staff has been pretty consistent. Talking about retention, we've, retain a good portion of our staffs from, from the very beginning. And I think also the vendors, I, I, I wouldn't say they're, 
they're as good as us, but they're still pretty good. I, it's harder to find people to cook food than it is for <laughs> beer. So, um, but they also still have been pretty good about keeping employees because it's a good place to work. So I think, uh, I mean, I, I think that's why also the city loves us because we do bring a lot of people downtown. Yeah. So it, it, it is beneficial all around. Yeah. That's awesome. I know that's kind of a hard uh, question to answer. But. Well, I, I can tell you as a customer and also, you know, I live in Dublin, so I live in the, the neighboring community. But if I have a choice, like I, I, I love to go to Hilliard. Yeah. Um, and because I've met some really great people that are also now starting businesses and investing there. Um, and they credit. I mean, that's the thing that sometimes as a business owner, you take the flaming arrows, you hear all the negatives and you don't take time to to appreciate and celebrate what you have built and accomplished. But when people bring up Hilliard as a point of pride, Cooked Can is one of the top businesses or things they want to talk about on the list. And um, I, I think that is something too for those that are listening. When I do consulting and work with a lot of other towns, one of the businesses they're hoping to recruit or start or see is a brewery. Mm. And... Um, I think your model and, and what you guys have built is a, is a great example for them to, to look at and see. Yeah, we would, when the time is right, I think you know, we would like to do it again. Time and place. It's yeah. got to be the right place too, but yeah, I mean, it'd be fun to do it again. What is next? But maybe to your point yeah. is um, maybe look at that as some of the success. There's probably been seven or eight businesses that have opened since, since we have. So I think that's, uh, it probably is. You know, it won't take full credit, but it yeah, is spurring on other entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So speaking of that, what is next for you guys? What's on the radar? Things you're excited about? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, mean, what next as far as projects? Don't really know yet. <laughs> but as far as Crooked Can currently, um, just continue to plan more events, um, bring families out. Um, we've got some really fun events coming up and. Um, we do a lot of family, like we have a lot of kids that come by. So um, we know that, um, you know, if, if the kids have some place to go and the, the parents know that they're going to have a good time, they can have a good time too. So it just provides a, a space that the family loves. So One, one that Megan started will be coming up. And again, this will probably be after it, but um, New Year's Eve. So not New Year's Eve, but New Year's Eve mm. for, the, for the kids. And it started as something fun to do. I love that name. Yeah. We probably had, what, maybe 50 people show up for the first one. We uh, we probably had 500 for the last one. <laughs> people had to leave. We'd, we <laughs> try, We had people sitting on the floor. I mean, it was... It so was, their activities <laughs> kind of walk us through what's happening. Yeah, I'll let her yeah, so, she yeah. set this one up. So Well, and then there's that fine line, too, of, okay, promoting an event. Did I promote it enough? Did I not? Like... Th there's that battle of social media and how many times did we post it? Did we boost it? What, what do we need to do here? And every year it kind of grew. And so last year we probably had 300 like hats, blowers, necklaces for the kids. Uh, I mean, we did it. We, it's, we made it so simple. We put on the TV, a ball drop. We put balloons in the rafters and did a balloon, a balloon drop. We offered um, sparkling white grape juice for the kids as a, as a New Year's Eve cheer or um, cheers. My kind of drink. Yeah, I just <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's, it's so simple. Coloring sheets, um, and then all of a sudden, we were bombarded 
And <laughs> it was madness. And it, it was a great problem to have, but it was also, okay, so like now going into planning of this, it's like, okay, how do we have this event again and it not be madness? Because sometimes you just, yeah, mm-hmm. you just never know how many people are going to show up. It was, a, it was absolutely amazing. But you also have some people that were frustrated because everybody did have the same idea. And it's like, sorry, you came out with everybody. Like, everybody decided to come. But um, we're, you know, planning this year to make it better, make it more strategic, and, and just have it not be as, as crazy. But sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, you've it's, got that stress of, are enough people going to show up? And then right. you have the other stress that is, oh what gosh, if too many what if, yeah. <laughs> too many people show up. In planning parades, I, that's always like the, the thing too. It's in, in what's the weather going to be? Because yeah. sometimes oh. that can impact it. Or like, totally. is Ohio State playing that day? Yeah. Like it's all we these were, things. We so. were so close last yeah. year of the, it was warm enough, but it rained. Oh. And it is like all these extra fifty people that showed up probably would have sat outside, but it was raining, so we couldn't we couldn't get. They couldn't in. even say that. But it, yeah. it literally just doubled every year, and it's, <laughs> it's just one. Of the, it's an example of you pick something, and it works. So let's do that, and let's try to find other things that are like that because clearly everybody loves it. So let's, yeah, let's try to but build on that. The cool thing too is like the city. Um, we we've kind of chatted with them. And we've talked about making it like a, a bigger city event and yeah. saying, hey, next year, maybe yeah. in the park, we have one of the um, Hilliard schools help us kind of make a ball. Yeah. To drop wow. and to then drop. have oh, it at fun. the city. <laughs> you can have all of Columbus coming out. <laughs> but it's like, but, but just like small events, like who's doing, who's doing it? Just be creative. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to bring people out. Do we have the crooked can rage room yet? <laughs> Literally, I am getting asked all the time, when are you? When's the town going to get a rage room? room? So oh, have you dear. heard of this? No, I no. So it's basically putting stuff in that people can break and to <laughs> bend. Oh. We may so have we, just coined this for adults or collaboration kids. <laughs> for both. I've seen both. Oh my like I, literally, they want something because people need things to blow off steam or yeah. take rid of stress. So. I, I get some credit for if the crooked can <laughs> rage room pops up in Hilliard. <laughs> I got to get some credit for that. Yeah, we okay. we can figure that out. Okay, see, there we go. There we go. We got okay. cement floors and they, they break easy. On there we go. There we go. Okay. All right, as we kind of round out the episode here, what is one professional development resource that was impactful for you guys along your professional journeys? Oh, wow. Could be anything. I always say a book, podcast, a mentor, um, you know, professional development group. I mean, just again, because the way ours worked out, I mean, working with the guys in Florida made life just so much easier. Yeah. Do you say we you kind really of mastermind with them too? So we've, we've brought up well, that concept like a lot on the podcast about finding people that you can share vulnerably with and share ideas and strategies. Like it, there's a great example. Um, Cause we were taking ideas from them for a while and then it turned and at one point, they started taking ideas from us. Yeah. Um, like, we did better merchandise. We did some events. It's like, oh, that's really cool. We should do that event. And, you know, we so, so both ways. So, like, uh, I was going to say, the break room, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. We do sil- I'm actually going to follow up with you on that. I think there's something with <laughs> We that. do silent disco. And yeah, everyone loves silent disco. And that's one we took from Florida. And when we did it here, it was pretty, you know, not a lot of people had heard of it. Mm-hmm. And everybody loves it. Yeah. So now the break room might be the new to get things. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's that's really who we've leaned on. Yeah. Uh, over the time, so it's 
so for you having that that first brand established and people mm-hmm. that you can have that open dialogue with has been i mean okay. i think that's a great always resource. good to be second yeah and we're always asking patrons too, like w- what do you want to see here what do you want to what do you want to do next yeah. so um at events we're always talking about the next event asking and we we get some ideas from the patrons too which is kind of cool so and you mentioned earlier, a couple things like coming up a good example was the uh, uh lighting of the tree and yep. one of those events they throw across and that we then took on and it's like okay let's let's also promote this thing yeah and it just it's blown up so it looks like sun it's a sunday and it looks like it's going to be good weather it was an amazing turnout last year. I mean, thousands of people come down for this lighting of the tree. So oh. it's just one of those collaborations with the city that is really cool. But I guess when this comes out, too, we'll be having our anniversary in February. So that's another, another big event that will be coming up. How many years will you be celebrating? Our fourth year. Fourth, fourth year. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. congrats. And then, uh, yeah. and then uh, you'll be out for the – you missed the last one, and it's probably a good thing, but the St. Patrick's Day race is uh, in March in – Last I am year really was, good at drinking. I'll probably be walking. I was, so. I was also doing yeah, that. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it was 28 degrees and windy. Hey, oh. Still get out oh. and do it. Yeah. So we're hoping that we get a good weather day. Yeah. yeah. That, that'll be in March. And then the last question I have for you is where can people follow you in your business to keep up with the work you are doing? Uh, Crooked Can Ohio on Instagram, on Facebook, and X, I guess that's what we say now, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the no, news I'm Twitter. changing my, uh, my language, is it, too. So. Is it Crooked Can OH on X? Isn't it different on, on X? Or, I thought it was different. You stalk <laughs> them and find out. Yes, yes. And or, I will link some of those in the show notes as well. Or website. We have websites. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Which, uh, honestly, our website has our tap list. Active. Okay. Yeah. It's constantly active. So, And are you on you beer menus, untapped, any of those? Kind We're of on untapped. Great. And that's how we link yeah. the website is with untapped. And, Great. And uh, that's why it's... Well, thank you guys. Um, I think one of the things, and we've talked about it, and I love that you brought it up, is the rip and duplicate. Um, Don't feel you have to come up with that perfect brand novel idea. Look at what someone else is doing and then make it better. And the other thing is just the local partnerships and collaborations. If you're thinking about wanting to see a brewery or a food hall or just the idea of taking these food trucks and um, supporting them to open up that, that, that stall or that brick and mortar, You've got to get to Hilliard, Ohio, and check out Crooked Can. What um, Rob and Megan have accomplished is is pretty awesome, and just appreciate you sharing your insights and um, ideas and strategies around how you did it today. Absolutely. Thanks for Thank having us. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in on this episode of the Small Nation Podcast. We hope that conversation proved valuable to you, and if you enjoyed it, be sure to share the episode and follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. You can also subscribe to the Small Nation YouTube channel if you prefer to watch your episodes. Follow Small Nation on social media and we'll see you in the next episode.